into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rookie record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. Today is Saturday, December 3rd, and Sam, the college basketball season is in full force. There has been no shortage of great games to this point, and all of the top teams around the country have taken some bumps and bruises already. That includes the two teams that we will see do battle this Sunday as the Kentucky Wildcats travel to London, England to take on the Michigan Wolverines in what they are calling the Basketball Hall of Fame Showcase. Add it to the list of non-conference, t- non-conference tests for Kentucky in the early stages of their season. This will be the eighth meeting between these two storied programs, and as we look historically, the Wildcats have the edge, holding a 5-2 to two lifetime advantage in their matchups against the Wolverines. The last time we saw these two teams meet was back in 2014 in the Elite Eight, as the two teams took center stage at Lucas Oil Stadium, and Sam, me and you were actually in the building for that game. It was an absolutely electric atmosphere and an instant classic as a tight contest wore down to the waning moments. Aaron Harrison decided to let one fly from behind the three-point line straight over Karis LeVert, sending Cats to the Final Four. And boy, Sam, I still get chills just thinking about that shot. I, I, I can't lie. It's, it's something that is just absolutely ingrained in my memory. And let's, let's fast forward. Flash forward to 2022, this year's matchup is shaping up to be another great one with a lot of talent and a lot of experience going to be on the court this Sunday. Looking at Michigan, this year's team comes into the season with a lot of hype as they added some key pieces around Hunter Dickinson and were preseason ranked as the number 22 team in the nation. They stumbled out of the gate, narrowly beating Eastern Michigan and Ohio on their own home court and ultimately losing by 25 to Arizona State in the second round of the Legends Classic out in Brooklyn, New York. They have picked it up as of late, and their most recent game was a two-point loss to the number three team in the nation in the Virginia Cavaliers. U of M had a shot to potentially win the game at the buzzer, but was unsuccessful. Despite the loss, it was clear to see that the Wolverines are starting to find their stride, and with the amount of talent and experience on their roster, they have all the makings of a dangerous team. And Sam, it's no secret that this team is run through Hunter Dickinson, and he is at the core of everything that the Wolverines want to do offensively. 
Stopping him will be the key to the Wildcats' success on Sunday. And if we look back not too long ago, we had a similar matchup with Gonzaga's Drew Timmy, and we did not fare so well, which ultimately cost us the game, and we walked out of there with a loss. To prevent that from happening and to walk out of there with a victory this time, what do Oscar Sheway and the rest of the Cats need to do to slow down Hunter Dickinson in this Michigan offense? Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Uh, you know, first things first, I got to start with acknowledging that amazing 2014 game that we were actually in attendance in Indy and Lucas Oil. All I could think, AJ, is you're spewing out some of the, the recaps of that game and Aaron Harrison hitting that shot. Just the announcer saying, this is the point where he always hits it. And sure enough, he hits it, and he comes through in a clutch way again and again throughout that tournament run. Boy, what a year that was. But, you know, this is a different U of M team. This is a different U of K team. Um, You pose a great first question, AJ, because let's be honest, we know exactly what U of M tries to do on a night-in and night-out basis, and that is get Hunter Dickinson involved throughout the entirety of the game. He's averaging just north of 19 points, AJ. He's shooting north of 58% from the field. And all while doing so, he's grabbing a little over nine rebounds. He's a force to be reckoned with, obviously. I mean, those are almost consistent double-double numbers with almost 20 points a game. I mean, that is a dominating fashion in the college basketball rim. Hunter Dickinson is going to be, like you said, AJ, a difficult matchup for us. We didn't fare well when we had a similar matchup with Drew Timmy. I am not comparing Drew Timmy to Hunter Dickinson. I do not think they're quite on the same level. However, even if we go back, AJ, I argue we we faced a a similar opponent. And Joey Hauser, when we faced Michigan State, and it was one key player that killed us. Moral of the story, AJ, I really like the way you pose this because we can't let one player – ruin this game for us, AJ. We we have to lock in on him. And I like the way that you kind of brought in Oscar Sheway and company because, let's be honest, Oscar Sheway most likely will be guarding Hunter Dickinson for the majority of the night. I also think what's vital for our success is Jacob Toppin's performance. I think he's going to get switched on, if not be solely guarding Hunter Dickinson as well, just based off of his size. And he's got to have an efficient night defensively where he's locking down both them as a tandem, Shibwe and Dickinson. The biggest way I think you get out and stop him, AJ, is one, you grab the boards. You cannot let Hunter Dickinson grab nine boards, ten boards, and five of them be offensive boards, AJ. He's going to get his second opportunities, and he is an extremely efficient player when he gets second opportunities, shooting over 70% when he grabs a board. The biggest other factor, in my opinion, AJ, is Oscar Sheepway. This is going to be a true test of the stamina. We talked about it last episode, AJ, but when I compare Oscar Sheepway to Hunter Dickinson, they are not in the same the way they run the floor. The way Oscar can run the floor and wear down on Hunter Dickinson offensively, he's going to come down the court, AJ, in the half court and be that much more tired time and time again. That's how I think we have to wear him down. Get out there, make him run, make him cover those lanes defensively when we're getting out and running and Chibwe's going rim to rim as fast as he can. I think that's a key 
to really offset Hunter Dickinson early in this game so he can't be as explosive as some of these other guys that we've gone up against. I mean, you said it, AJ, we haven't fared well. So we have to fix something to where there's not one key player that is killing the Cats come Sunday afternoon. U of M, AJ, like we said, is led by Hunter Dickinson with 19 points. This is a team that's putting up roughly around 76 points. The Cats are coming off an extremely efficient defensive effort against a solid team out of Bellarmine. What do you think we need to continue to do or also do differently, AJ, to continue that defensive front to where we're limiting not only Hunter Dickinson, but this U of M offense from having a successful night against the Cats? Yeah, so a few things. And what what I'll start with is I think that our guards need to be very aggressive on defense on Sunday. I think it's very imperative for Kaysen and 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 uh, Severe and those guys to really I, I'm challenging them to get up in the grill of these Michigan guards. Michigan is honestly one of the best teams in the country, Sam. They at not turning the ball over, they very uh, they do a very good job of taking care of the basketball. Um, we need to get up in them and make it difficult. We talked about Hunter Dickinson, and he is the type of guy who's going to play a lot of his basketball with his back to the basket. He's trying to get low post position. He's trying to get an entry pass and then go up quick with it. And if he gets double team, he can pass it out of it. So forcing Michigan to work extremely hard to enter the ball into the post and into Dickinson is going to be absolutely crucial to our defensive success. And Sam, that starts with our guards getting up in to the chests of the Michigan guards and making their night tough. You may see Kentucky pick them up right around half court and really try to get up into them. And like I said, you want to push Dickinson away from the basket as far as you can. He is not the type of guy who wants to step out there and live around the perimeter. He will take a shot or two out there, but he wants to live near the paint and and right around that rim. So continue to get up in them on defense and force the pressure and force them into mistakes. I think, Sam, you brought up a good point. We have quite the advantage in my eyes with being able to push the ball in transition. Michigan's a team that likes to play slow. They're very comfortable with playing in a half-court offense. So forcing those turnovers and grabbing those rebounds and being able to push the ball, I think gives us a really good shot to be able to get out there and get some easy baskets and start to put the pressure on them. So it all comes back to being able to to start it with the pressure and getting up in the defenders. And then, Sam, we, we got to stay out of foul trouble. We, we got to keep our hands away from the cookie jar. We can't afford to be taking ticky-tack fouls. And you can live with some of the things if, if the pressure is there and they're, and they're playing hard on defense and, and working together as a unit, then you can live with some of the fouls. But some of the ticky-tack stuff we just got to stay away from so we can continue to play our game on defense and really force them um, into tough shots. I mean, you saw it against Bellarmine. You've seen it at other points this season. When we really use our length and our athleticism to rotate and to move guys off the three-point line and funnel them toward our shot blockers and being able to block out 
and enforce bad shots. I mean, defensively, we're one of the dangerous, most dangerous teams in the country when it comes to that because of the different things that we can do and with the amount of size and athleticism that we have on the ball out there on the court and being able to put pressure on the ball. So that's that's what I would say is definitely the keys to being able to to slowing Michigan down in that sense. Yeah, I, I like the way you approach that because that's a great note. The, the more we can force Hunter Dickinson to catch the ball in inopportune areas on the half court, the better we are going to be Sunday afternoon, AJ. Because like you said, Hunter Dickinson can slightly stretch the floor, but I'm not – considering him a deep threat by any means. And like you said, he likes to play offense with his back to the rim and work his post moves from there. If we can get him out towards the arch because we're limiting his opportunities to catch the ball with his feet in the paint, that's going to be a win for us because then we're crowding with our length, the perimeter, which is a good thing for us. You've seen our ability to defect, deflect passes, to get in lanes, to use our athleticism and our length. We're averaging nine steals again a game, AJ, which is a lot. You mentioned that Michigan doesn't typically turn the ball over, and they do a fine job of taking care and honoring their possessions. We need to disrupt what they are trying to do offensively by getting up in them without fouling. I love that you brought that up, AJ. We cannot get in foul trouble, but – I think that is kind of the recipe to where you're aggressive on defense, you're using your length, your athleticism, and you're forcing them outward. I want to see them outward all game long. Yeah, Sam, and so we've we've talked about Hunter Dickinson um, a lot, and, and rightfully so. He's, he's the key piece to what they got going on there. But um, for those of you who have not seen them play – they also have a gentleman by the name of Jet Howard. And yes, that is Jawan Howard's son. He is a primetime diaper dandy, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's a freshman, and he's been really hitting the ground running since he got onto campus at Michigan. He is playing at a very high level right now. And something about him is he plays the guard position, Sam, but he is 6'8", and he has a lot of size. He is a very skilled basketball player. He can break guys down off the dribble. He shoots the ball from the perimeter at a relatively good clip for a freshman. I mean, he's still getting his feet wet, but shooting the ball well, attacking the basket, getting his teammates involved. You can see the athleticism on display when he's playing. He is quickly becoming a go-to player for them and a guy that they're going to rely on to go out there and score 15-plus points a night for them. And he is just somebody else that is a potential to being able to, if he gets hot, kind of take a game over and being able to... Like you talked about earlier, Sam, you don't want to get beat by that one guy. And we've talked about Dickinson, but this is the other guy that we need to keep close tabs on all night on the defensive end. I'm really going to be interested to see how Calipari and this coaching staff decides to match up with this Michigan team with with having a guard who's 6'8", and then we also have Severe out there. I I'd like to think that Kaysen is going to be guarding him most of the night, but I'm sure they'll also switch and rotate and possibly put some bigger defenders on, defenders on him. Sam, 
as I was thinking about that, and, and even earlier today when I was thinking through this, and you talked about this on the last uh, episode, but Chris Livingston, he has been a guy who's gone out there and defended very well and also gone on the glass and not been afraid to bang his body and grab those rebounds. And with a guy like Howard on the other team, potentially look to see Chris Livingston get a run at him and, and match up with some of that size as he's a, he's a bigger guy and he, he still has that athleticism to stay with him. So I'd say that's, that's a key to being, uh, to looking at that. But I'd like to ask you, have you seen Jet Howard play? What do you think about his game? And then uh, ultimately what kind of problems does he cause for a defense in trying to guard him? Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because Jet Howard is a, for real player, AJ. I have actually caught a few games. Most recently, I did watch the, um, the second half of that Virginia bout that they were in. And like you said, they had every opportunity to come away with a game-winning shot there. But he is a, a tough matchup, AJ, for any team in the country. Because when you're 6'8", and you're a guard, and you're able to get your shots off from the perimeter, that makes it very difficult to determine who is supposed to be out there guarding him, AJ. At 6'8", typically you have your power forward, small forwards. I'm glad you brought up Chris Livingston. I think our primary defender could start with Kaysom Wallace. The issue there is Kaysom Wallace is one of the best defenders not only on this team but in the entire country. But the size advantage there, I do worry about Jet Howard being able to get off clean shots even when he's covered especially with some of the switching that we do defensively. I then look to the other two key players that are probably going to have a decent amount of minutes trying to guard Jet Howard come Sunday. That would be, one, Chris Livingston, AJ. I think that's a great point. And two, Jacob Toppin. I think if Jacob Toppin is out there, he's most likely going to have that assignment other than Hunter Dickinson when Sheboy's on the floor. You bring up a great point. It's going to be interesting to see how Calipari and his coaching staff determine how they want to match up against this Michigan offense. I do think, though, AJ, what Livingston can bring to the table, especially with what he's proven to do on the glass and come down with rebounds, is extremely important because what I'm thinking, AJ, is – you almost want to limit Jet Howard to where he is struggling offensively and you neutralize his you neutralize him there, but you might not, because of what you're putting forth to stop him defensively, you might not have enough in the tank to dominate the game offensively. I think that's a good assignment, a good matchup for Chris Livingston because we have quickly learned he is not the most prolific scorer so far he will come and do his own but I don't mind the fact that he would be guarding him and we're not making Jacob Toppin exhaust all resources defensively where we're limiting and his opportunities offensively the next big thing that I'll have to maybe get your consideration to AJ is when I start thinking of how we've been utilizing Chris Livingston and when he's on the floor My biggest issue so far, AJ, is when we have been putting him on the floor, he's been more of a three, if you will. I think the spacing for Kentucky is an issue when we play him at the three. I like him more at the four. The reason is, when you have him out there at the three, you likely either have Jacob Toppin 
or Damian Collins or Lance Ware and Sheepway out there. What I don't like about that is the spacing. There's a lot of bodies right on top of each other because it's a lot of big bodies. I don't necessarily love that lineup. So what I'm considering as I talk through this and I want your opinion is, okay, if you do ultimately give some decent minutes, and I'm not talking four to six, I'm talking ample minutes to Chris Livingston and you give him an opportunity come Sunday, who else do you run with? Because if he's guarding a guard, AJ, I'm concerned that then Calipari goes to that three big and I don't necessarily love that lineup like I said, because of spacing. So do you think we should be giving more minutes to Chris Livingston, or do you think this assignment of guarding Jet Howard needs to be delegated elsewhere, like a Jacob Toppin? Yeah, so I think uh, ultimately you're going to see a combined team effort to be able to cover him. It's not just going to be one singular guy who goes out there and covers him all night. Um but I do think that this is a game that potentially warrants putting Chris Livingston into the basketball game. I th- There's also a sense for me where he has kind of been somewhat of the odd man out a little bit this year. And he needs to be a valuable part of what we have going on. And the way that I've seen him play so far personally Sam I think that his best role for this team is going to be going out there and playing absolute tough nose defense grabbing rebounds and then on the offensive side of the of the ball he needs to be a guy who's violently cutting towards the basket because he can use his athleticism to be able to beat his defenders and get the ball and lay it in or dunk it and crash the glass for some offensive rebounding. You said it last time too, Sam, we need to pick up our rebounding game. It can't just be Oscar. We're struggling in that department and he's a guy who's not afraid to go up there and bang his body and get those rebounds. So I think for his confidence and to like show him you can thrive in this role and this is what we need from you and who we need you to be. This is a game where you're playing a team where he could do some good things on the court and then when the game's over, you can look at him and be like, hey, Chris, this is what you do really well right now, so let's really like carve out your role to do these things well for us and then as your offensive game like you said progresses we can start to you know develop that part of your game and build you more into the offense but there's ways in which you can help this basketball team right now without having to go out there and really score much at all so I think that this could be a really cool opportunity for him to get those minutes, to get the confidence, to play in a, a big-time game, and to have some success and, and start to build on those things. And so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be a key matchup to watch, obviously. And I think from there, you bring up two players for this U of M basketball team that – have the potential to offensively wreck this matchup for us. Where do you see us combating that and showing our offense efficiency? Because let's be honest, AJ, we haven't looked great at times in the half court. 
So let's not even go into the pace because I know and you know and Cal knows we want to push the pace, grab rebounds, and get out and run and look for an early opportunity to score. If it's not there, we know, obviously, bring it back, let our point God and Severe Wheeler or Kaysen Wallace obviously set up our offense. But we know the key there. So aside from that, who or what are you looking for out of this U.K. offense to show that we we can bow with this Michigan team. Because, like I said, they're averaging 76 points a game. That's not that impressive. It doesn't jump off the page. They're not like a lethal offense by any means to where we have to run and gun and score 90-plus. But what do we need to do to make sure that we come out on top offensively? Yeah, I think uh, going back to a little bit of what I talked about earlier, I think that transition game is going to be important. Um Something's got to really give in the turnover department, I think, with our length and the way that we've played defense. I think we're going to put some pressure on them and and force them into a little bit more of a chaotic game than they are used to. And so that transition game is going to be important. But then once we do have the ball in the half court, which is going to be quite often, and when we're trying to run our stuff on offense and get good shots off, I think... Um, really, we kind of have to do what they're trying to do to us. We have to establish Oscar Shibway in the in the low post. We have to find a way to be able to get the ball to him in the low post. That's something, Sam, we've, we've really struggled with this year is being able to enter the ball into that low post. A little bit of a communication problem, guys just not having the timing down and Sometimes you see us standing around a little bit, not moving the ball around and and trying to be able to feed the ball into the post. But I think that that's something that we have to get established is being able to get him the ball in the post and then put them in conflict. Do you want to double team or do you want to play him straight up? Because if you want to play him straight up, like you said earlier, Sam, I mean, no disrespect to Hunter Dickinson, but... Oscar Shiba is going to eat his lunch money all day long. So it's just that you need to put them in conflict in that, in that aspect. And then I think our guards, I think, again, I think our guards on the offensive side, as well as the defensive side, like I stated earlier, they need to put the pressure on their guards. I haven't seen a ton from Michigan this season that tells me that they are a team that's going to lock you down. I think you're going to get open looks. And so, Look to be aggressive. Look to push, not in transition, but like when they're in the half court and stuff as the as the main ball handler and when they start to move it around. If you have an angle, like look to drive to the basket and force them to rotate over and make a decision. Do you want to let me have the floater or are you going to take it away and I can now look for the lob or look for somebody out at the three-point line. So really trying to put them into some conflict on the defensive side. I think watching them throughout the first seven games of the season, I've seen some defensive breakdowns on their part and things that they're susceptible of. But it starts with being aggressive and not standing around on the offensive side. We need to 
see some movement out there, see the ball swing side to side, go from one side to the other, force the defense to swing over and rotate and force them to communicate because as they do that over time, there's going to start to be these breakdowns and you're going to start to be able to take advantage of those things. And then once you do, they may over adjust to it and then boom, now you can do something different. And so we need to put the pressure on them really looking for Kentucky. I think this is a game, Sam, really where we can find our offensive identity and find our groove here and really start to get the ball rolling. And I think once you see that, you're going to start to see that we can do the things that we do against the really bad teams that we play against the really good teams that we play because I don't think we're that far off from that. So definitely a combination between all of those things. Um, But I do have a question for you about offensively. Normally, you know, I talked about getting the ball in the post and then with our guards. Normally, John Calipari, his teams have been a a lot based around the dribble drive with the point guards. So how do you go about incorporating getting the ball down in the post to Oscar and then also being able to space the floor out and get him out of there and out of the post to be able to allow these guards to drive the basket without other players clogging up the lane? Well, yeah, you, you start that, AJ, with exactly what you said. First things first, you got to get out and run. And I liked what you said. You don't only get out and run, but you're aggressive. I want to see us get to the line early and often, especially AJ, not just Oscar Sheway, but our guards. When you see good guards like CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves get to the line, you see the ball go in and you're building your confidence throughout the game that you can knock down shots tonight. Okay? That's what I want to see because. That's going to be critical to get our guys going and to dominate the game in the post. That opens up your opportunities. When you're being aggressive and driving it to the hole, AJ, and you're getting fouled, I'm telling you that first step, they step back because they can't keep getting beat and they can't keep taking hack fouls as you beat them to the lane. That's what's going to open up the perimeter. But I love what you brought up, AJ, because – like you said, we want to get the ball into Sheepway and we want to assert our dominance with him over Hunter Dickinson. But you often see it with John Calipari-led teams. It's this dribble drive with our point guards. So I, I see it all the time with Big Blue Nation, all the medias, on Twitter, people griping about our offense and how we keep going back to the well of this dribble drive. However... I do have some considerations to show you guys that this is not the same John Calipari Kentucky offense. The reason I say that is when you say, AJ, how do we also get the ball out to the perimeter and prevent from this dribble drive and then just getting it sucked into a black hole in the post if that's not working? What I have to counter that is this Kentucky team so far this year, AJ, is putting up 8.7 threes a game. So call it eight and a half, eight, nine threes a game. I don't think you guys understand. That is not typical Calipari branded Kentucky basketball. The reason I say that, when you go back to 2021, AJ, which felt like it was the first form of Kentucky 
adapting to new college basketball offense. We took 6.3 threes a game, AJ. Year before that in 2020, 4.3. The year before that in 2019, 4.5. Do you see the trend? This team is putting up shots. What you mentioned, AJ, the other day is so critical. It's Calipari's favorite saying. You don't have to make them all. You just can't miss them all. So what we need to do boils down to let's get our guards confident by hitting some free throws, getting the line, be aggressive. That way we can knock down shots early because, AJ, we have to hit some shots. We have to. We're putting up 8.73 a game. I love that. You got to hit them. You got to hit them. So look for a solid game out of Kaysom Wallace because he has proven he can stretch the floor to the three-point line very efficiently. Antonio Reeves needs to step up and have a big game in a big-time opponent. We've seen what he can do against weaker opponents because he enforces his will like he used to before he transferred because he's getting the ball in his hands. We got to see more out of him in a big-time moment. C.J. Frederick, him as well. He's got to step up, hit his shots, but not only, A.J., be one-dimensional and be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter because, C.J., you're not that. I love what you can do and how you open up that opportunity, but I'm telling you, I'm asking you as a friend, don't just do that because you can put the ball on the deck, you can beat your defender, and you can get to the hole. I've seen it. Everyone's seen it. So be confident in that and trust your instincts because when you want to put it on the deck and move it to the hole, we want you to do that because that opens up your game. You've got to work your game out or in to out, not always out, 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 out. Okay. So that's what I'm looking for, AJ. I think those are some critical pieces to this offense separating themselves because one last thing, when I watched that second half over, because I did, of the Bellarmine game, I rewatched it. That is the offense you want to see. It was so great. The ball movement, the cuts, the communication, that's what we need to, we need to see more of come Sunday. Yeah, Sam, and honestly, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on where C.J. Frederick's out or where he's at right now, and I'm really glad you talked about that other aspect of his game because I really do think he needs to work this thing inside out might be a little bit tight and, and kind of pressing on those three-pointers a little bit and trying to be that knockdown shooter, but let's get to the foul line. Let's make some free throws. Let's make some layups. Let's get a dunk, you know? Let's hit a floater in the lane, and then and then once we do that, I'm telling you, the three-point shots, they're going to start falling down. So I think for him, get his confidence back up, start to – you know, branch out a little bit. You can do some other things. Trust in yourself. Drive to the basket and and let's get this thing going a little bit. And then, Sam, I want to ask you about Antonio Reeves because you talked about him and he hasn't quite played, let's say, up to standard. I'd, I'm sure he'd tell you that, that he wants to play better in these bigger games as well. And I'm going to tell you what I see, and then I want you to tell me what you see because I'm I'm honestly I really want to get your opinion on on what you're seeing out of him because we need him to be knocking down shots and to, and to play some better basketball. But to me, he just looks a little sped up right now. Like everything is 
a little bit forced and just like his internal clock has, it's like a quarterback that's been sacked one too many times and his internal clock's just a little bit quicker. And so he seems to me just moving a little bit too quick. And I think he just needs to slow down just a little bit. You know, the, the anxiety's a little bit high. It gets tense in the games. And I think he just needs to just slow down just a little bit. Sometimes I feel like he speeds himself up. His mechanics are off a little bit. Um, But that's what I'm seeing from him. I like the aggressiveness. I like the way he plays. I just feel like when he gets the ball in his hands, sometimes he's a little bit too sped up, and it's causing him some issues. So just wanted to get your thoughts there on what you see from his his game right now. Yeah, I mean, when I break down his game, AJ, I know we're a little critical in the big moments because of the big games we have had. He hasn't necessarily played great. When we look at him, he's our top scorer. I mean, he's he's putting up numbers, AJ. We know what he can do. It's just not quite translating to the big-time moments. So this is another great opportunity for him to prove us elsewise. What I will say that I'm seeing that kind of needs working and fixing, which I'm sure he'd be able to admit the same thing, it's a little different than what you're seeing, AJ. So I, I, I'm honest to hear your you're excited to hear your take on this but I think it's more the role that we're putting him into in these big games because what I'm seeing AJ is almost similar in CJ Frederick that we're asking him as his first role to be a catch and shoot shooter instead of put the ball on the deck when we watch him AJ I'm glad because it all does come back, in my opinion, to that slight internal clock because when he's playing some of these inferior opponents, he's got the ball in his hands way more, and he's being more confident and dominant and aggressive with the ball, and he's letting after that the shot come to him because even against Bellarmine, AJ, you saw him in transition not even take dribbles and catch the ball and shoot and hit deep threes. He can do that. But what was he doing before that? He was getting to his spots. He was moving. He was cutting. He had the ball off the dribble, on the dribble, and he looked good while doing it. Then he opens up his game. I think what we're doing in big-time moments is it's natural, but if you're not hitting early shots, which unfortunately the Kentucky Wildcats haven't done a great job of that, your role quickly shrinks, AJ. It does. Because then we're, we're thinking, I don't know if he has it tonight. And unfortunately, he is a prisoner of our system right now, in my honest opinion, that if he's getting a couple of early looks and it doesn't look like he's knocking him down, you're, you're limiting your role. And, and it's, then it's getting in his head, like you said, where he thinks he's got to be a little different, which... I don't want to ask him to be a catch-and-shoot player only because he is so much more dynamic than that. I really honestly think that he's he's been extremely efficient in some of these other games, putting up 20-plus. We know it. But is it all because he's just standing and catching and shooting from the three? No, he hits a lot of threes, but he opens himself up to those opportunities. So I think that's what we need to see out of him more come this Sunday. And I do think, A.J., he will. I don't think it's that he's scared of these moments. I, uh, no, no, not at all. That. Yeah, not at all. I, I don't think it's anything of him being scared or nervous or anything like that. I think you bring up some very valid points, Sam. I think it's it's also partly on the coaching staff to put him in a better position to be successful on offense. And, I, you know, I think Calipari and the rest of this coaching staff and the players themselves, they're all trying to figure out 
what's best for this offense and what how does that look for me within this offense and they're still trying to figure figure all of those things out and so you see some encouraging signs here and there the flashes the games but once this all clicks the perspective is going to change a lot around the big blue nation because they're going to see what when it comes to fruition okay okay so this is what it can look like it's just it takes a little while to get there. That's why we like to schedule all of these big-time non-conference games to start the season to be able to go on the road and play in different environments and play these different schools that we wouldn't normally get to play to gain all of that experience so that when we go into the heart of our SEC schedule and, and beyond, we are mentally and physically prepared. We've seen these things before. We've dealt with these sorts of issues you know how the SEC season is, Sam. It's a grind, man. You know nights. It is an absolute knockdown, drag-out fight, right? Guys aren't hitting shots as much. It's physical. Guys are fouling you. You're on the road in a crazy environment. The only thing that school wants to see is for Kentucky to lose on their court. And so these games early in the season are those building blocks for this team and once we get these sort of these sorts of things yep. figured out, built on top of the other good habits that this team has already been forming on the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be a scary thing, and we're gonna we're gonna be cooking with some fire, with some grease. Yeah, and, and you are definitely so on point with bringing up our non-conference schedule leading into obviously conference play, AJ. But one quick question before I dive into that. Is it ever too early to start thinking about March Madness and Selection Sunday? Absolutely not. Okay, good. Because as I sit here, AJ, and I look at this game, it is a much bigger game than maybe we're even giving it credit for. UK is at 5-2. and two. Michigan is at 5-2. and two. Ken Palm ratings, which I really enjoy because it, it takes into all account of the efficiencies offensively, defensively. Kentucky still sits, despite the two losses, AJ, at number five in the country. Michigan, this team, sits down at 50. So this is a game we need to take care of, especially on a neutral site. The reason I bring up the schedule off of the heels of what you were saying, AJ, our non-conference schedule from here on out, AJ, we have Michigan on a neutral site, right? We've got UCLA coming up not too shortly after that. And then we have Kansas, which is at home. When I bring up Selection Sunday, I think to games like these as indicators of great teams that can win the one or the two seeds, AJ. And that's what this Kentucky basketball team needs to be aspiring for. This is a big game because we don't have many non-conference games left. You said it. Conference play is the belly of the beast. You're going in and you're fighting brutal fights night in and night out at home on the road. It's tough to win. However, you have to have games like this on your resume come Selection Sunday so those guys think that you're a one seed through and through. The Wildcats need a win against this U of M Wolverine team because unfortunately our other two so far we've dropped against obviously Michigan State and Gonzaga. This is a game the Cats need for later in the year then we can go and take care of business elsewhere with other non-conference opponents in UCLA and Kansas down the road. Yes, and I love, love, love the fact that you did not talk about 
that other school in our state that we're still going to play, <laughs> but is clearly just not important enough to mention with some of our bigger non-conference games that we still have on our schedule. I don't so. think that's going to be necessarily a quad one win, AJ. Uh, so, unfortunately, however, no. I will but. say, if it's a loss, we're aft. So, <laughs> you know, if Kenny Payne, AJ, God forbid, maybe won two games all year and one of them was UK, I think the Louisville card nation would be damn well pleased with his performance this year. So, you know, you can never underestimate any opponent, but I will say I I left them off for a specific reason. Yep. So Sam, anything else that you wanted to touch on as far as the Michigan game is concerned, I'll give you the floor here. If there's any last minute news, notes, nuggets, anything of that nature that you wanted to share. You know, not necessarily. However, I I do think it's a discredit if we don't bring up two quick names, AJ. I don't have to dive into the details, but I I feel they deserve at least our time quickly to mention them. Severe Wheeler. I mean, he has played exceptional so far. I know he constantly receives a lot of backlash from this big blue nation, but he has played well. I want him to be selective in what he's doing when he's shooting the ball. I think when he has opportunities because he's so wide open, he could take a dribble or two and look for them to press out and he can make a decision. He's one of the best passers in the country. But look to him to have a very good game against this U of M team, taking care of the ball and distributing and getting timely passing into those entrances into Sheepway, into our guards for shots. But I think we would have done a dishonorable job not mentioning him. So I just wanted to bring him up. And then secondly, AJ, just quickly, Damien Collins, we haven't seen much from him this year. However, I think this is uniquely one of those games where I think he can put his paw prints on the matchup to where he's impacting the play in the game in a big fashion with a high flying block, a big time dunk because he hasn't broken through. So look for him in a unique opportunity to get some minutes and maybe make some of those types of plays that really excel us past this Wolverine team. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing both of them up, Sam. And um, I didn't even know if I was going to say this at all, but I had been thinking so much about the last time that we played Michigan back in 2014 and um, somebody on that Kentucky team who was a vital piece of that team was Marcus Lee, a guy who reminds me a lot of Damian Collins, and he was a guy who really found a significant role on the team that year to be able to do the things that he did well. And as we play Michigan this weekend and in what you just talked about with Damian Collins, hopefully he can finally get over some of those hurdles um, with the things that he's been dealing off the court and really find his groove and his confidence on the court and uh, start to thrive. But yeah, look for him to hopefully have a nice impact on the game. I think we've about beaten this this matchup to death, Sam. I'm not really sure if there's any other angles to look at, to dissect. I want to ask you, what do you think the final score will be, and who's going to be victorious? Well, you know, I, I think, AJ, it's going to be 
not necessarily a defensive struggle, just not a crazy high-scoring affair. I think the Kentucky Wildcats come away with a victory with 79 points to the Michigan Wolverines of 68. I think they're able to just slightly stretch it out there at the end of the game. Um, I I think this could be an absolute dogfight through and through all the way to the end where it's a one-possession game, but... The way I see us coming away with the victory is indeed separating ourselves slightly at the end of the game, being up two possessions or so, and them having to obviously exhaust all options and start fouling. Hopefully we can prove some timely free throws. This is going to be another huge opportunity and a big setting to hit timely free throws. AJ, who's your winner? What's your end score? Yeah, Sam, I think I think Kentucky's going to win this game. I do. I think that Michigan is a good team, a quality team. I think that we have a few more pieces to be able to put it all together, and I think we will do that this Sunday and, and be able to pull out the victory. I think Kentucky's going to pull away a little bit. I'm, I'm thinking 80-65. to 65. I think they're going to get some points here and there. I think they're going to go through some stretches where they're not going to be able to score the ball as well. Like I said earlier, that turnover battle is something I'm really keeping my eye on. I think we're going to be able to turn them over a little bit more than they're accustomed to, and that's going to allow us to get out and transition a few easy baskets. You're going to see a little bit more efficiency from the Wildcats on the offensive side of the ball within the half court, and we should be able to stretch this lead a little bit and start to pull away from them in the end. And Sam... Before we get out of here, I'm going to spring something on you real quick, and I know you're not prepared for this, but I want to have a little fun here. So we're going to play a little game, and the game is called Make Your Case, all right? I'm the judge, and you got to make the case. Kentucky was a top five team preseason before the year started. We have fallen down to number 19. You got three minutes on the clock, my friend. Make the case to me that Kentucky is still a top 10 team in the country right now. Oh, boy. Put me on the spot. I love it, though. I I think I'm uh, internally prepared for this somehow, some way, because I live, breathe, and die these Kentucky Wildcats, AJ. And for anyone that has watched all seven of their games, the first thing that I have to start my argument with is the fact that defensively, we are if not the best, one of the best defensive teams in the entire country. We're currently only giving up around, I think it is like 64 points a game, AJ. That's low. That's very impressive. The way we're able to clog lanes, deflect passes, force turnovers, we're averaging nine steals a game, AJ. That is what jumps off the page at me where I say, okay, there are two losses, right? Gonzaga, one of the best teams in the country. I know everyone has struggled out the gate so far, AJ. All top 10 teams are losing left and right. It's one of those years. There's a lot of competitive teams out there. What I will say is our loss to Gonzaga, we showed at times we can hang with them. We struggled early to make shots. You have to kind of consider that. Our defensive effort, though, was strong. 
at times throughout that game. When you look at our other loss, Michigan State, AJ, defensively, we did a lot of great things. Ultimately, that game comes down to a few mis-executed plays early in the season with guys just not knowing their assignment. You got to kind of give them a break. It all falls back to this defensive efficiency that this Kentucky Wildcats team has and the two losses that they do ultimately have. In my opinion, although Michigan State isn't the best loss, it's still going to be a quad one loss at the end of the year, AJ. You have to consider that when you're making an argument where this team currently stands. I said it earlier, when you look at our efficiencies, though, in Kinpom, we are still the fifth-ranked team in the country. That's to show that when we are efficient, we are one of the best teams in the entire country. I, I then say, AJ, my next argument to you, if I still have time on the clock, I've got to get this off. It's Oscar freaking Chibway, AJ. He's the nation's best player. Get out of here with all this nonsense talk that he and Joe and Schmo are better than him. You're wrong because they're not. This guy is the best rebounder in the country. You look at the numbers, AJ, this year. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying this off bias. He is the best rebounder in the country by a landslide so far. The way we can get him going offensively and him get his legs underneath him, you haven't seen him play his best ball, and you haven't seen us play our best ball with him because he's been out, AJ. This is a team that's still growing, like every other team, but we have had to face early hurdles. We've had guys out for extended periods of time. You haven't seen the best of these Kentucky Wildcats, and that's why I ultimately am very confident in the fact that we – have every argument to be a top five team in the entire country. Well, Sam, uh, you definitely made your case in this court. I'll tell you that. Um, I did only ask you to make the case for them to be a top 10 team. You took it a step further and told me they're a top five team, which I love the confidence. You heard it all there from Sam, the passion. He's been watching this closely. I know we all have. We still have faith in this team. We still think we're one of the best in the country. We're going to take a few bumps and bruises along the way, but you're really going to start to see this team come together and gel. And I think all of BBN, just like me and Sam, are going to be extremely pleased with where this basketball team is headed and the things that we can accomplish this season. That is all we have for you guys tonight. That'll wrap it up. I think we went a little longer than even me and Sam expected tonight, but you know, when you get some of these great matchups and there's a lot to talk about within what's happened so far in the early stages of the Kentucky basketball season, you just get a little bit carried away sometimes. And Sam, I appreciate your time tonight. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate everybody listening. Let's have a good weekend. Let's beat down those Wolverines and Go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.